0: Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art. But I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm to table dining in Baltimore. At Forged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see, it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forged Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. Welcome to The Truth In Us Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am excited to delve into the dynamic world of politics, community advocacy, and visionary leadership with a true force in Baltimore's 45th district. Uh, Drawing upon deep connections to the community and a relentless pursuit for positive change, his work uniquely blends the intricate realities of the community to create impactful policies. Please welcome Senator Corey V. McRae. Welcome to the podcast. Rob, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for coming on, making the time. Um, And, you know, just I'm glad we were able to follow up from when we met a few weeks back. And now it's just like the interview now, the actual conversation. And before we get into the larger topics, right, of this this conversation, Mm -hmm. let me give you the space to introduce yourself and your background. And one of the reasons I like to do that is I find there's a lot of power and strength in that where... Mm -hmm. You know, I can say this and then it might leave out something that's very important for you or very important in your your story. So I'm going to give you that space. Yeah, no. I, first, like I said, thanks for the opportunity. What I'll do is I'll give you the elevator speech, to be
1: honest with you. um, And that way, as we're digging into the questions, you can pull out m- as much or as less as possible. Um, But I'm born and raised in the city of Baltimore. Uh, I graduated from Fairmont, Harford, right there with Hartford and 25th. It was an alternative school. So folks that grew up in Baltimore know, like we called it the toot. Um, I went through the same challenges that a lot of young men, young women grow up in the city um, uh, have. I always tell folks by the grace of God, I had a mom that didn't give up on her son, Rob. And my mom actually helped me find the apprenticeship program that I went through. So I'm an electrician by trade out of the International Brotherhood of Electric Workers. I'm also an entrepreneur. I've been buying houses up and down Bel-Air Road since I was 20 years of age. Um, I tell folks that I was uh, not familiar with the political space. I didn't start voting until I was in my late 20s. My attitude towards politics was they leave me alone, I leave them alone. So I didn't understand that politics is intertwined in everything that we do, whether it's education, higher education, our roads, whether you got trees in your neighborhood, everything that we do. Um, I got my training wheels in the Maryland House of Delegates. So I did four years over there. We had a ball. We worked on things such as voting rights, restoring voting rights to over 40,000 Marylanders that were on parole or probation. Um, And and I say that and I can dig into it, but I'm going to just gloss over a little bit. You know, that's folks that's that's like concentrated in the communities that I represent. So we're taking away that buying power, that voting power, that strength that was in our communities uh from that standpoint. Went in uh Ran for the Maryland State Senate, one of the greatest honors, privileges, humble, but it wasn't easy. Let me be clear, because we challenged um, an incumbent, a sitting incumbent at the time. Um, As soon as we uh, got in the Maryland State Senate, we worked on things such as uh, minimum wage. The minimum wage will increase to $15 an hour. I'm thankful for my governor, Governor Westmore. Not only did he... Uh, appreciate that, but he accelerated it. So it's going to actually trigger in January. But when I was in the House of, and when I was in the Maryland State Senate, it went from 1010 to 11 to 1175, and so on and so on. And now, this January, it will trigger to hit $15 an hour. We worked on transportation. Our public transportation system is underwhelming, um, and just making sure that we can inject over $2 billion over a six year period, um, and to make sure that our transportation is safe reliable, not breaking down. And when I say that, I'm talking about our bus system, our mark train, um, our our light rail, our subway, uh, and things of that nature. We worked on lead and drinking water. We worked on snap benefits. I've had a ball since I've been in there, Rob. I'm I'm not gonna toot my own horn. But as you dig into these questions, I'm gonna dig into some of these uh solutions that we put forward. Um but I'm really, really enjoying it. And last and, and, and not least, but I would be remiss if I did not mention that I live in overly I live in overly with my wife Demetria, who I've known since we were 17 years of age, and we're living there with our four kids, Kennedy, uh, Reagan, CJ, and Bryson, the most important thing that I had
0: going on in my life. That is wonderful. Um, and, and thank you. Um, even electrifying to to put a, little, a little, little bit of humor on there. I like that. Um, and, and I definitely want to key in on a few things, um, sort of these the a and b to that initial question
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what was it like growing up here um because we all have our different things like um and in, in doing sort of this podcast right i mm-hmm. think it's an export to give people mm-hmm. like a real pov of what happens and what what people's stories coming from here are mm-hmm. and i've heard from people like you don't seem like you're from baltimore i was like lafayette projects morgan state what else do i need to say city college what, what do we right. got you know right. So right. what was right. it like growing up for you
1: now, nah, um, my mom, uh, grew up in like lived in a village, so we lived in Seminole apartments. My elementary was in Rockno Heights, so like I had a great elementary school, uh, period. Um, and I, I look at people like Kurt Smoke. President of UB, but at the time when I was coming up, he was the mayor of the city of Baltimore and doing things like the city that reads. He had such a strong presence in my school. And like when you see me in schools, that's the same type of behavior or same type of model that I'm trying my best to emulate um, because that's what I saw growing up in a city. Unfortunately, Rob, my turn took when um, I got in middle school. So I went to Rockland, I went to Chickalpin. I went to Winston. Um, and I think. A lot of our young folks are so great, like they have so much potential. And unfortunately, sometimes that potential isn't being matched by the resources at that moment. And then they find different ways to act out um, because they may not understand how great they are or how to meet those challenges that they have in front of them. Um, I went to Emerson for four months. I went to Northern for two years. And I'm just glad because I came out of Fairmont-Harford Institute uh, from that standpoint. And I was at a real uh, uh, crossroad at that time. And like I said, my mom because she was tired of her son in and out of the juvenile justice system, sometimes in in and out of the adult system um, and not really finding a stable school from that standpoint, she just was like, Corey, you got to figure this out. And she reached out to the Maryland Department of Labor, Rob. She called herself. She said, send me every apprenticeship program in the state of Maryland. They send her a booklet. And she said, Corey, go fill out these applications. And uh, by the grace of God, what happens is it takes me out of that four by four uh, radius that I know. Yeah. And it puts me into a broader surrounding because now working around journeymen that have rental property, that have corner stores, that have liquor stores, they're entrepreneurs themselves or just be a journeyman electrician. And it gives me something else to uh, work with um, uh, from that standpoint. And that just brought her, and. I looked at from buying houses. I just bumped into it by accident, Rob. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to make a couple hundred dollars. And what happens is I didn't know that homes appreciate. I didn't know uh, the tax shelter and the benefits that come with that. And those are the things that you start to learn um, on your own. And I I, want to also lift up my grandmother because when my mom would get sick and tired of me, she would put me out the house and I had to go live with my grandmother. Grandmother gets sick and tired of me over in East Baltimore. She put me out the house, go move back with your mother. So I bounced back and forth. And that's why you'll see some of the schools I went to was in East Baltimore. So I was in West Baltimore because I'm um, just looking for that stability and, and trying to make sure that that potential gets matched. And, and I lean into my story. But like when you see me putting in that work, it's because I know that our young people are great. I know that our young people need to see people that look like us, to know that what their potential is. Um, I know how great our communities can be, and I know what it's given to me. Um, and that's the reason why I'm here in this position at this moment and at this time that I'm blessed to be
0: here. That's, that's great. And um, yeah, you know, like in, in, indirectly, that's how we met, you know, in, in one of those sort of situations where I'm kind of like, This is something i want to do i want to be able to show and give and whatever of hey i'm a black guy that does a podcast i want to help out you know these uh high school students and and really help them kind of realize that and and i was like oh you guys are interviewing a senator i've never done that let me let me help you guys out let me really (laughs) help you guys out with this and you know one of the things you mentioned uh you know chicken van and that that area my mom lives in that area govins Mm -hmm. all of that so
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know lived there for about 20 years so definitely familiar with that area now,
1: if, if, if I could just stop and just salute you too, Rob like when whenever young folks ask me to do anything, I stop what I'm doing, because like that moment that you can press upon them is so important and they'll remember that and you helping them navigate them dope young scholars, dope young sisters um, that go to poly city, the design school, schools within the city of Baltimore and just lifting them up. I, I listened to the podcast. I was just like, man, I just appreciate um, just connecting with you all. But most importantly, like your leadership in that equation was so important. Cause that's what our young scholars need.
0: Thank you. And no, that's, that's, that's huge. And um, it means a lot. Cause you know, I it was, it's one of those things where it's just like, what, what are we going to do? And, you know, you don't know if anybody really cares, but being in there in those sessions with with the, the the team, those those young sisters and really being able to speak with them and have them like take an interest in what you do mm-hmm. and say, oh, thank you for coming back. You know, mm-hmm. just something as simple as like like gratitude, mm-hmm. of like, you know, you're taking your time and you're you're investing it here. It is it, it, just a great moment, a great part of um, this summer is something that I want to continue with. And two of
1: us, that was just a couple of weeks ago. Let me be clear. Two of the young scholars, we've already connected and went to the game together. So, like, we'd have been to the Orioles. So, like, that's the thing is, like, once you get them, you got to hold on to them because they were smart. They were sharp. And I'm like, I'm going to be working for you one day. So like, I already knew, like, they, it was just a great
0: honor. It was a privilege. So I want to shift gears a little bit to, you know, the political journey and like, Mm -hmm. you know, leading to Baltimore's 45th district, the 45, right? Mm -hmm. District 45. So when, what was that? If there was any particular moment, that sort of like aha moment, if you will, of, no know, you got to get involved, you know, you have to get involved and dedicate the time and the energy for it. Like, you know, there's definitely a through line for this. You know, mm-hmm. this, this podcast, I'd already been a podcaster for 10 years mm-hmm. and a person that matches a certain color that used to run this country said something about Baltimore and I got activated. Ah. That's the through line that led to it. I was like, no, we can speak mm-hmm. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. really been the genesis. So that's the aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. The, the
1: aha moment takes place. I'm buying houses. A bulk of them are in the community called Bella Edison. Um, the leader at that moment in that time was a gentleman by the name of Tony Dawson. And I look, he was surrounded by a whole bunch of women, Rob. So like it, women were activated in Tony. And like the question that he was asking me, like, look, you taking all this money out the hood. Like, what are you doing to get back? And like I just wasn't even cognizant that community associations exist. That's how numb or uh oblivious that I was to to the situation. But once you see people putting their time, their effort to building a larger scope of something, um, that's where you say, like, I gotta, I gotta be involved. So I sat on Bella Addison's community association board, I sat on Benny's um executive board, and I was super active within that space. Um and You realize some of the things that's not taking place, whether it's groceries, whether it's transportation, whether it's the roads, whether it's uh, uh, fresh food, whatever it is. And then you start to say, well, why is it like that? And I realized how large and critical of a role politics played into it. Rob, I try my best to get behind good people to run for office. Nobody wants to put themselves forward. So you're like, look, you go forward, I support you, and and we see where we play out. And then I realized, like, in Baltimore, you had, like, an east side crew and a west side crew, and young folks just couldn't cut through. Like, if you didn't get anointed or, or, like, you weren't aligned with this group. So we ended up just saying, like, look, we're going to like rough shot and just run on our own. So in the House of Delegates, it was three people um, that were elected to there. And we came in third. We didn't run on any tickets. We didn't uh, um, team up with anybody. It was just a couple hundred young folks that were inspired and engaged and said, we are going to make a change. And that's why I feel such a level of commitment, because I'm like, ain't nobody put me here. But the people like these folks putting up five, ten dollars, I can remember some of the notes or letters that I would get. Um, From some of my neighbors, where they were like, Look, I'm sending you this check for $5. I'm like, It's cost a lot to mail it and the check itself, but like they would send notes with $5, a prayer, a scripture, and just say, I believe in you, baby. Like you, you, they look at me like their grandson and their son, which I believe that's why that responsibility weighs so heavy um, because these folks are counting on you um, uh, from that standpoint. And the other piece was like, I feel like I was blessed. I want to say around 25. Rob, I'd I'd own about seven properties in a duplex, and I'm like, look, escaping what we were able to overcome. Like, I'm like, I'm blessed, and the question is, like, I've always, you know, you seek out money because that's what the commercials, that's what the radio, everything pushes a pushes on you to say like, money's so important. But the question that I started to ask myself is like, I've got to cross the finish line. How can I bust this thing wide open and get more people across this finish line with me? And like, I think that you do that, whether it's generational wealth. And I think that policy
0: has a strong component um, in this piece. Yeah. Um, thank you. When, when, I, when I have these, these conversations with folks and whenever the conversation starts shifting towards money or something like that, I'm like, let me stop you right there. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't really care about it. I care about what it can do. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, this is not a free project. This is the microphone, the internet connection, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Zoom, Zoom is expensive, but um, it is one of those things where it's like this kind of moves the needle. So the money is the vehicle in which to do this. Mm-hmm. And if this has any impact, that's what the money does. Mm-hmm. It's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I can do that to buy more steak dinners mm-hmm. or what have you. Yep. Yep. And, and and that's sort of the value in it means something. and 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 I'll say, and it kind of kind of relates to one of the things you had mentioned about getting those checks. Mm-hmm. When folks see me in the streets, I'm a very noticeable individual. Mm-hmm. and folks see me in the streets and they're like, yo, Rob, you know good episode or man, appreciate what you're doing, bro. that it feels something. I feel like a uh, responsibility is like I've described this podcast, especially when it comes to the interviews here. Mm-hmm. As you know, it's community service in many regards, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just like I gotta, you know, show my folks, you know, the people here that are doing good stuff, and 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 I take that as a responsibility of to try to do things that are meaningful and show them in a positive light, I suppose. Mm-hmm. 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 So, shifting to to this sort of point where, you know. I would imagine like there are some days where it's like, you know, this was a wild day. We were not able to move this along. I, I got yelled at on the phone. I got all types. I got a nasty gram. Yeah. What keeps you inspired, especially when those moments of progress are slow or particularly challenging? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's got to be a well sometimes. So what keeps yeah. you inspired? Man, I just, I'm I'm a big protector of my
1: energy. That's very important to me. I'm mindful of the people that I'm around and like just, I read a good bit. So it's certain things that I need in order to be efficient, effective, and productive. But you're right. When you put yourself into a space that's so toxic where most of the calls you're getting is problems. So you have to be this awesome problem solver or, or figuring out the problem uh, piece of it. So like, especially as the Senator, when I looked at the Senate role, my job is the figure out how to set a strong foundation, especially for communities that do not have like a plan. Like nobody has direction for what, direction that community is supposed to go into so setting a solid plan is important figuring out how to get short-term whims because people are apathetic people don't believe in the system and they don't see how the system is responding to them or works for them so how do i also hand short-term victories while we're working on these long-term uh methods from that from that piece of it and these are large puzzles to uh to put together i try my best to be mindful of like what energy i'm putting out because if i'm uh uh um, not not in the right space. So if I don't believe in it, like the the as a leader of the city of Baltimore, like it's, it's going to fall apart. So I have to believe that there is some light at the end of the tunnel um, from that standpoint. Also, just like clearing a, a, a clear message about, like, what is it that we're doing and how are we going to get there? But the question that you asked me, like, what gives me motivation? Young people definitely give me motivation. A lot of times I'll get cards in the mail that basically say, like, hey, um, uh, just thank you. Uh Tamika just sent me something where somebody we we would send us a birthday notice, like they were like, Thank you for just recognizing from that standpoint. So it's these little types of things that give you the motivation and knowing. That there's more people out there rooting for you, supporting supporting you than the 10% that's trying to beat you down um, uh, every day. And Rob, I, I'll be honest, like I try my best to be on offense as much as possible. I'm trying to put points on the board and move the needle. But like you said, there are moments that somebody trying to put you on defense and you got to quickly go on defense address the issue and get back on offense uh from that standpoint so like my productivity and these young folks are just giving me the motivation that i need to move each and every day in a good space and know that i'm doing good work
0: that's great and you know something that i think a lot of folks because you know this this podcast and we we talked a little bit before we got started it's this intersection arts culture and community and Mm -hmm. i think that piece right there that sort of mindset is is helpful like i would imagine you know, for an artist and I apply for grants and opportunities and such, you might get hit like, no, this is not going to work. Or I wasn't feeling that episode or didn't get these, the response I was hoping for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just feel like, all right, I'm going to do something different. And it's moving you away from moving to the next thing, getting Mm -hmm. that next interview booked, recording that next interview. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, you feel almost a bit shy or gun shy when it comes to should I ask this question? Is this dumb? Mm-hmm. And you start losing yourself in that. Mm-hmm. And it's important to kind of like stay in your lane and, and protecting your energy is is so mm-hmm. important because uh, you know I watch uh, what we do in the shadows and there are energy vampires you know floated around. That's a good. That's a good way to put it. Energy. <laughs> so I I want to I want to this this is sort of a two parter. Yeah. I'll I'll start with the first one. So you know share with us your your vision and your top priorities here. Like you know. That's, I think, a big part. I I see this, this change that's been happening. And there are some parts that are really cool. And there are some Mm -hmm. parts that I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens Mm -hmm. um, with that. And so, so what is your vision? What are your thoughts on like sort of Baltimore's future, your priorities, things of the like?
1: Yeah. So, so that's super important. So I've got these long term and short-term goals, and I think it's important for folks to understand, like, what is my district? So let me lay that piece of it out first. Northern Boundary is Northern Parkway. Southern is like uh, Station North Hopkins, um, Elmwood Park. Uh, east is Pulaski Highway, and west is like Hoffa Road, but like it goes up the Hillen and Belvedere uh, from that standpoint. So like my long-term vision is where you can have communities that are walkable, safe, and providing a great education uh, for our young folks, and that that and like, how do we grow our population? Is the metrics that I'm using uh, from that standpoint. So like, when I look at the Hoffer Road corridor and the Bel Air Road corridor, I'm working with organizations such as Hoffer Road Main Streets, Daniel Doty, Sam Polikoff, and then when I look at Bel Air Road, I'm working with organizations such as Benny to kind of boost those main streets and make sure that they're viable and suitable to to be there. Are they where they need to be at? Hoffer Road is moving in the right direction. They got a book store, coffee store, um, uh, some some uh, different sit-down restaurants, a co-working space. And then Bel Air Road, we're working immensely on that piece of it. And when I say immensely, I would just want to speak to and lift up some of the stuff that we're doing. 4x4 yeah. four four, uh, has 700 plus homes. And I should have said 4x4 four four is four streets in, in off the Bel Air Road corridor. It's Ravenwood, Elmore, Emily, and Lindale. 700 plus homes on those four streets. 200 plus of them are vacant, which is just horrendous in itself. So what we've done since uh, 2019 is we brought in three nonprofit partners, uh, Northeast Housing Initiative, which is a land trust. We brought in St. Ambrose, and we brought in Habitat for Humanity to help us to create home ownership and decrease the vacancy within that footprint. They did not have a plan. We had to create one uh, from that standpoint. And I'm going to go Southern. So as I'm as I'm naming out the communities, I'm going to start going Southern uh, from that standpoint. Morgan just purchased the Lake Clifton campus, which is a great uh a piece of it. We actually put $5 million to make sure that they can have the demo and the design work to be able to help the communities that's adjacent to them. That's going to indirectly lift them up. South Clifton Park, 4x4, Dolly Park and CHUM uh, from that standpoint. We just picked up CHUM uh, from that piece. So I had to go get briefed uh, from all these agencies about what we're doing in CHUM. Um, but, but looking at the Tivoli project, make sure that that get off the ground because that has been a hole in the ground since SRB was the mayor. And I couldn't understand why it hadn't moved in the space that it moved up. Phase one is fully funded. They're gonna move on it. And my responsibility is figuring out phase two from a funding standpoint and things of that nature. When I talk about small victories, Rob, here's what we did. Because Tivoli is like inside the Harford Road corridor, we, CHUM, which is uh, the Neighborhood Association, Mark, uh, and they partnered with Gecko with Nicole Battle, to be able to work on a couple of the houses, and they're huge on Hoffer Road. And we gave them a couple hundred thousand dollars in the state budget to make sure that they had um, some abilities from an acquisition standpoint and from a, a, a renovation standpoint. So they'll be able to address the main ones on the Hoffer Road quarter while they're also working on that phase one piece of it. I've been working with Department of Housing and Community Development and picked four neighborhoods, Darley Park, South Clifton Park, Berea, and the 4 by 4 All of these communities are the ones that do not have a master plan or things of that nature. We've been identifying city-owned homes and homes that the city can acquire very quickly through the MREM process to be able to get them in good development, create home ownership in these spaces. So that's Darley Park uh, uh, from that standpoint. As I go further down East Baltimore Development, Inc., it's been going on for like the last 20 some plus years. It's a large footprint. Uh, uh, one of the biggest develop, uh, developments, 40 some plus acres uh, uh, from that standpoint where they've been doing some housing. They've been doing things of that nature. I've, if you move to the west of us, it's su- southwest of, of the 45th, you got a phenomenal group called Rebuild Metro. And the work that they're doing in Oliver, Greenmount West, and Johnson Square is phenomenal. Probably some of the best community development that's going on. So my job is when they come up with concepts and ideas, I get out their way. I make sure that they have the funding that's necessary because what they've done over a period of time is increase home ownership. Um, they've also increased green space with Henrietta Lacks Park, the partnership that they have with St. Francis and a lot of these different pocket parks yeah. um, uh, that they're going on. They double down on education, so they've been partnering with places like Johnson Square Elementary, St. Francis and things of that nature. Um, they are bring In a library to East Baltimore, so you'll see right there um, on that Biddle Street concept that they partnered with Heidi Daniel and the Library System to uh, uh, have a space for the library to be in East Baltimore. uh, From that piece, some of the things that we've recently did on the 400 block of Biddle Street, they've knocked down those houses, so you'll see that it's empty land. But they have a concept where they want to do communal teacher spaces, so like how you have dorms, they want to create a space where teachers can live and share the kitchen and things of that nature, but live in a space that's cost efficient and create that type of community right there. So I love that. And that's that's dope from that standpoint. And I, I also want to say, like, they're also distinguishing these liquor. Like we are we are concentrated with liquor licenses. So they are buying the liquor stores and then getting rid of the license so that we could have a productive and conducive space for neighborhoods from that standpoint. Then as I go even more southern I had the PSO footprint, like Perkins Somerset and Old Town. In Somerset and Old Town, i worked with some awesome developers, Danny and Dana Henson uh, with Henson Development. And that's where we're going to bring the first supermarket that we've seen in East Baltimore in decades, in decades from that standpoint. So we were able to create the Somerset Grocery Store Initiative, yeah. where uh, we were able to give funding from the state budget, over $1.3 million uh, uh, from that standpoint to make sure that we can lure in a supermarket. We've been able to secure it, the lateral intent has been secured and we know that we have a a supermarket that's coming to that uh, uh, footprint. They put two housing developments online where they're growing our population. They also have a green space that's coming um, from, it's gonna be called the Nathaniel McFadden, uh, Nathaniel J. McFadden Learning Play Park. So it's like a $6 million park that's coming into that footprint. And I'm super excited about that. But those are some of the things when you talk about like, what's your vision? And there's some things that I'm leaving out. Um, I'm, going, I'm going to make sure I'll leave this one out, The Great Blacks and Wax Museum. Like that's the anchor institution. That institution has been at that intersection as long as I've been living. So you'll see every year in the budget, we made sure that that institution is protected and that the work that Dr. Martin is doing there, that it, it continues to stay uh, uh, important, uh, vital, space in the 45th legislative district as we dig into the questions i'll start speaking to other stuff i just don't want to go on and on and on too much i no,
0: not know no. um that was so so dope but actually you kind of eliminated i saw it disappear from my page eliminated one of my questions i was going to ask about the whole market situation because um you know as you were breaking down like you know originally from west baltimore but most of my life has been east baltimore and in mm-hmm. fact you know you know, I'd lived over here in the sort of like eager street, all of that mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I moved, I bought a house back over here. It was the first purchase that I made, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a house back in my old neighborhood. And I was like, this, this feels important to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, definitely was invested in this idea of, and kind of shaking some of the the trees, if you will, when it came down to this is a food desert, you know, mm-hmm. and really calling that out. And you know, holding um, a place to the fire in a sense of, you know, painting a narrative, right? I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how do you have the nursing school, hospital, school, of medicine, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. And then mm-hmm. there's in the middle of a food desert. Yep. And it was like, well, that's interesting. And I was like, no, no, no. I know it's interesting. That's why I said it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a thing of trying to cause trouble, but also having people just think about it mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of those things that it kind of attaches to this next question of it might not make the most sense fiscally at a point because folks are tiled out. So many people don't live in this footprint or whatever it is, but is it good for the people that do? What are yep. people that do? And so when you you're going through the process of, crafting policy or working on policy, you know, that might not just be good, but how do you distinguish what's good, what's great, what makes sense? Talk about that in terms of those priorities from policy.
1: Yep, yeah, I'm going to dig back into the food piece of it and, and, and I'm going to answer your question. So I'm very intentional about what I assign my name to. So I don't sponsor everything and I don't co-sponsor everything. So when folks will see, you'll see like Corey sponsor things that's very intentional. And I'm trying to look at how does this directly impact the 45th legislative district and give us a competitive edge in comparison to these other jurisdictions from that. So those are the types of things that you'll see us in. And then when we talk about food. So I was nipping at it. I was like cutting at his legs um, when we did SNAP benefits. Uh, When our young folks go to school, sometimes, unfortunately, we got to be honest, that may be the only meal that they receive. Like that may be the only meal that they receive. So what we did with the SNAP benefits during the summer months and during that long extended vacation in December uh, from Christmas to New Year's, we added extra 30 bucks on the SNAP cards and an extra $10 that long extended month. So that was like, that that was just cutting that food insecurity. Then we looked at transportation and we said, well, how about we make sure that when we're identifying transportation that is accessible and we can get them to supermarkets uh, from that standpoint. But I'm like you, Rob, I'm like, we know the problem. We know the issue. Let's put solutions right there. What is, why are they not, what is prohibiting them from moving? So you'll hear things such as, the economics, so the money ain't there. You'll hear things such as uh, the population ain't there. You'll hear even sometimes where they need two two thoroughfares where it's coming and going uh, from that standpoint. So the, the, the space, the land piece of it isn't always there. And it's like, all right, now that we've identified, like, what are the structural barriers from you getting here? Let's figure out how do we create that? So when you think about, like, where are we going to increase uh, uh, population, that PSO footprint where she's putting, they're putting buildings online rapidly, like they've got another one that's about to break, break ground. Then when you start thinking about the economics, like as you're increasing that population, you're also increasing the bodies, which then increase that uh, the, the amount of food that's going in that cart from that standpoint. And then at the end of the day, like we give subsidies to everybody. They went over there at Port Covington and we gave about $600 million worth of subsidies. So why can't we give the same level of subsidy in our neighborhoods to make sure that we can have a reputable grocer in our spaces? So when they asked the question, I was like, Dana, like, as y'all putting together your marketing plan, how wh- what is it that you need? And she said, we needed a million-dollar subsidy. I said, say no more. I'm going to go talk to Senator Ferguson. I'm going to talk to um, the, the, the folks, the governor at the time, and we're going to figure that piece of it out. We gave them 1.3 thus far. And you got to remember, like, as we're doing this, this indirectly impacts things such as Latrobe. So you got Latrobe Homes that's right there adjacent, and they're going to be able to indirectly benefit. Johnson Square is going to be, because this is going to be walking distance in, 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 in reference to the footprint of, of that piece of it. So like, those are the things, those are the complex things. Not tell me a thousand reasons why we can't do it. What are the barriers?
0: What are What is it there? And what are the tools that we can put in place to make sure that we can move the needle? That's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I, in 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 even within the sort of footprint, even station North, this, this Mm -hmm. podcast has a very strong relationship with this podcast was born there and big in station North on Charles street. And, you know, some of my greatest successes as a creative have taken place there and I get a lot of energy from that area creatively. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been involved in some conversations around like, how do we revitalize this area because of, Some folks that might have a little bit too much property. I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. me saying No, you're right. And, you know, sort of this thing is, I think about, I'm a problem solver, data analyst, right? And Mm -hmm. it's sort of the problem solver conversation. And I look at it the same way that I look in this neighborhood, when it comes to the market, to that neighborhood, when it comes to this sort of weird uh, relationship with the artist community there. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, if you're drawing people here, You know, you have a train station there in station north of what 83 you have is a it's a focal point. It can bring in a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you keep it sticky? You know, my thing is, and I've mentioned this on more than one occasion to folks, if you're going to those, you know, two, three, maybe even four great restaurants in that area, Mm -hmm. you should be going to a show right afterwards. Mm -hmm. Make it sticky, you know, Mm -hmm. dinner and a show. If you're going to Alma or you're going to Forage, you should be going to Big. You should be going to Motorhouse. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And the same thing when it comes to, you know, the market in this area, you know, there are certain things I'm bougie. There are certain things that I enjoy that I'll go to the Wegmans for. But for the most part, if I need to get like, you know, ginger or some salad or whatever the thing is. I want to be able to go there um, to something that's in this footprint. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people would do the same thing as you're talking about with the sort of adjacent adjacent communities that mm-hmm. could be popping in. And that's bringing in folks to be sticky. What else is over here? Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of the the thinking that goes with it. But when you don't have sort of those those anchor places or the closest ones is uh, you know, maybe over there what, where the target is at in, um, yep. is it yep, hell, and um point yeah 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 yep, yep can. Then, you know, or even Harbor East, you know, I've gone there to the Whole Foods to to get stuff. So I'm not stopping there. I'm gonna get coffee at a place. I'm gonna do this. So I'm making several transactions in this area because that's where the anchor is at.
1: Yep. Yeah, no, that, that's that's so important. Like we need the anchors. And I think we need to build off of our strengths. When I look at the Station North footprint, like we have UB, we have Micah, we have Hopkins, like we have the anchors there and just figuring out how do we partner with them to put these large complexes together. I'm proud of the work when, when you said the motor house, I think about OpenWorks also as a, as another uh, footprint um, uh, from that standpoint. And I also think we have to be intentional about the dollar. So like when, I, when we think of Kevin, uh, over at uh, Snack by Nancy. When I think about my man Terrence over at uh, Terrace Cafe or Taste This, the the young brothers Dante and Craig, like super intentional about like how do we spend that money, um, and and how do we keep it local? Like when you was walking up the street, you saw me at the Guilford Brewery and That's just figuring out like how do we partner with these local? these are great places that we need to keep lifting up. And so many people, I think we brought 200 people to the Guilford Brewery that night. And like so many people I said, they had never had been there, didn't know it exists. And I'm like, look, we need to keep doing this uh, uh, from that standpoint, lift us, lift Baltimore in
0: so many ways. And it's funny, like I, you know, was part of a going away party there. One of the first sort of like private events that they had there because I was on it early and you know, when we saw each other that day, I was coming from a economic development meeting for Station North. Mm-hmm. I was invited uh, representing sort of the art scene, I suppose. But in it, I was the only black person and only male that was mm-hmm. being representative in that group. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'm qualified for this, but <laughs> I, I had- A lot my, of pressure. <laughs> literally. And I, and, but I had my points and, you know, I was coming from the perspective of, I never left. I've always lived here. And- mm-hmm. I'm sort of adjacent to it and I dabble and poke into the arts world, but I'm more of a person that's documenting stuff. So I have that vantage point of talking to a lot of different people and a lot of different walks of life. So that's the perspective I was presenting in that. Mm-hmm. Now, I I, pre-
1: I appreciate that because, like, born being born and raised in the city, I could be anywhere in this country, in this state, but, like, we choose Baltimore and we choose this space right here. And I think about, like, especially as you start raising a, a family, you start to think, like, is this the right thing? And it's like, no, like, we have to double down. If all of our leaders, if all of our contributors are moving out of our neighborhoods, what do you expect for to happen in those footprints? So, like, that's the thing is, is, like, how do we live. The things that are for us, by us, but more importantly, our home. One hundred percent.
0: So I got one last real question and then yep. I got some rapid fire questions for you. All right. All right. I'm I'm scared about this rapid fire, but <laughs> no, you good. You good. <laughs> um can let me see you sweat. Uh so You know, let's take a moment in this this sort of last question to kind of push the, you know, sort of political identity to the to the side just a touch. And let's talk about the person. You know, Mm -hmm. what is your identity beyond your work? And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, let's talk about that a little bit as we we wrap up here.
1: Uh, I just I I just turned 40 back in October. um, And my question that I ask myself is, like, how do I add value? How do I work on self-development at least one percent each and every day? And the most important thing that I can do is be a loving father, a good husband, because while you're trying to. Uh, shift the trajectory of a number of different folks. At the end of the day, you have to make sure that your kids, like you're raising good human beings. So like on a day-to-day basis, my uh, oldest is, she's over at Polly. she's in the Ingenuity program, but like she likes tennis. So like mine's is, how do I support her in the way that she needs to be supported and know that she's special, she's great, and things of that nature. We're also going through SAT. So like she did SAT prep um, uh, this summer Uh, with my My uh, second oldest Reagan, like she plays AAU basketball. So I found myself in Kentucky a a month and a half ago um, with her her, her in tournaments and she played with Lady Cut Nation. And, like, how do I make sure that they're developing into these? Uh, great human beings. The boys are eight and nine, so they do. Uh, it's a bunch of folks that I'll see over at the flag football with Coppermine. Like they got a fall and spring league that they run uh, for for uh, little kids, and then you know basketball. They play basketball and and things of that nature. So as I'm helping my kids, I know I'm indirectly helping other kids in the neighborhood. But like my most important thing that I can contribute to Rob is just how can I be a good father? How can I make sure that life is different than the way we come up, the way we see things, and it's just better, and we put them in spaces where they can reach this unlimited potential that they don't even know that they're capable of um, uh, at that time. So, like, that's what I'm thinking about each and every day. Like, how do I contribute to
0: that and, and contribute to their success? That is that is wonderful, and um, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, and it's a nice segue, to these rapid-fire questions, <laughs> so all of the goodwill that's been. Cremated. All right, I'm in the chair. I'm in the chair. You got me. So you know, as I tell everyone, don't overthink these questions. They're all just right. whatever it is at the moment. Yep. Um, could you could you tell us two or three of your favorite places in Baltimore? You're not ranking them, but like okay. places that you dig. It could be a restaurant, it could be a park, right. things of yep. that nature.
1: Yep. Um, I definitely say Coco's because my wife makes me run out there every couple of weeks to go get crab cakes, um, and. I was just in, I did Terrace Cafe three times this week. Um, But like with Terrace Cafe, it's the vibe, the food is seasoned well, but it's also the art. Mm -hmm. If you look and pay attention to what Terrace has on those walls. And I got into like the arts space probably want to say three or four years ago. Like I really just got deep into, especially when people love their craft. Um, So like definitely say um, Terrace Cafe and then, uh, what would be the third one? Um, I guess you could say even a baseball, or football stadium at this moment. Like both teams are going to do great. So, like, but like that's that's it's fun. Usually, that's one of the things that can bring us together collectively, no matter what age you are, ethnicity, gender.
0: Like people love and go and throw for the Ravens or the Orioles at this. Moment. It's great. It's great. Um, since you, you mentioned, you know, having developing this this love and appreciation for art, I got you got to ask you an art related question. What is your favorite color? Blue. OK, OK. You see you see the background right in this. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine for a very long time. That, that was a given. Like if you see me most of the
1: time, if I got seen on it's a blue suit, like I, I try not to put much thought into that. So you'll
0: see blue like in things that I wear. Okay, you're going to love this next question then. Uh what is your favorite suit accessory? Because every time I've seen in a suit or, or something in that vein as as one would be. And what what is your favorite suit accessory? I know some people like the tie pin, some people like oh, my my attaché is a uh, is an accessory, but what is your favorite suit accessory? The uh I definitely um
1: I I wear the things that keep your shirt tucked in. I just can't think of the name. Um of them, I like I like your shirt to be like going the right direction, looking
0: uh, from that p- piece of it. But it's like the um, things that you keep your shirts uh, tucked in your pants with. That's good. Yeah, I used to um, you know going to Morgan, you know the 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 whole uh, business program. We would always have the the different suits, and, and you know being in this business program all four years, when you, you see people wearing their suits freshman year, like yeah. that's not good, bro. That ain't it. Then yeah. by the time you get to like senior year, you're just like, oh, okay, I see you, bro. You out here. And some of the accessories that would come in, these pocket yeah. squares and the yeah. stock choices. Yeah. I'm like, all right, less Southern preacher, more we're going to the boardroom, you know? <laughs> um, so this is, the, uh, this is the next one. Um, is there a book that comes to mind? You mentioned you're, you're a big reader. Is there a mm-hmm. book that comes to mind that has shaped your approach? It doesn't, have, doesn't necessarily like to be uh, something that's politically inclined, but something that has, you know, had an impact on your approach to life. Mm hmm. mm -hmm. I think Reginald
1: F. Lewis is one of the the ones that we come out of Baltimore. watching white men have all the fun uh, is is a that's that's like a classic um, type of piece. And I like things like A.G. Gaster's book. I like Herman Russell's book. These are like if if I'm talking to a young man, a young woman that want to be an entrepreneur, like usually I'm pushing them to like the 20s, the 30s, like not right now, but like. Just when it was so complex, they could burn your store down, burn your hotel down or things of that nature. Um, from a political standpoint, some of the greats was her Washington. I love her Washington, The first black mayor of Chicago's uh, by um, Theo did. They call me Little Willie. Um, so I, I, I appreciate that piece of it from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Um. I love uh, Shirley Chisholm. It's 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 a couple of them, and then team arrivals. Like I think that that shows you how Lincoln had put like this awesome cabinet together that was sharper than him, and and no, but he was like a phenomenal leader. So I think that that's like a leadership book, but also a team building uh, book, and understanding why it's so uh, uh, good from a team building. Um, I um uh, th- those are some. So uh, the spaces that I like to delve into is history leadership and uh um i want to say uh um, black wealth like but black wealth back in the 30s and 40s
0: yeah it's definitely something about diving back to that stuff that is before it's got commodified into what it is now like mm-hmm. when there's something that's current i'm looking for the references that are in it but i like to go back like i've been you know a lot of art books that i have the audiobooks is i am always got airpods in or something but definitely will go back and peep some Jack Welch stuff or I'll check out 48 Laws of Power or any of the Robert Green stuff. Mm-hmm. And they pop up in conversations all they, the time. They fundamentals. They like they like the givens. They you supposed to you supposed to start there. It's it. Absolutely. And his name is Robert. What can I say? Uh <laughs> So this is the last one, um, and I'm very uh-huh. interested in this. Um, you mentioned a bit before we got started about some travel that you've engaged in um, mm-hmm. recently. So when you're traveling to a new place, you know what's what is the you know first thing that you do? You've already gotten settled, already checked in, all of that good stuff. But what is the number one on the itinerary for you?
1: uh i'm thinking about the experience so like what was the experience and i'm i i just did this disc assessment um and like i'm a c personality so i probably got, got it all planned out uh from that standpoint but i'm trying to see like what's the local culture what's the local vibe in that space so that i can identify uh from that standpoint and get the true feeling
0: of what it was to go to that space i mean we're all about the truth here i mean it's obvious mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh that's pretty much it for the for the podcast. I'm looking for coffee when I get there by the way um, but uh, that's pretty much it for for the podcast. So one, I want to thank you so much for um, spending you know some time with me today and you know speaking with us and me and the listeners and all and I want to invite and encourage you to share with the folks where they can check out what's what's happening, social media, website, whatever you want to share in these final moments. The floor is yours. Yep. So um, just
1: first, I just want to lean in and say, like, Rob, just thank you for who you are. Thank you for amplifying Baltimore. Thank you for amplifying our spaces and like just what you do with these young scholars in our neighborhoods. Um, Folks can find me on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. I'm uh, Senator McCray, Corey McCray. Uh, f- from that standpoint, um, I'm I'm not the most technology, so I, I haven't delved into a lot of spaces. But I am on the basic spaces. And if you ever wanted to look me up from a website standpoint, it's just uh, uh, like
0: And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Senator Corey V. McRae for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee, saying that there's art, culture, and community. The community is in all caps. You just got to look for it.